All right. You ever uh, listen to a song and a random thought pops in your head? Does that ever happen to anybody else? When we were singing that song, a random thought popped in my head. Uh, I'm involved in a D group, a small group of guys that uh, studies the Bible together and keeps each other accountable. And uh, we were reading when the Israelites, which were probably numbered in the millions at this time, were marching back to Jericho, right? And they crossed the river and uh, God sent the ark out first. And the ark went out first with the, with the, with the priests uh, and, and held back the water. And so that's what got my mind thinking when he said there's somebody else in the water. I thought, that's kind of cool. So, but what's, what's amazing is the water is stopped. There's probably millions of people or maybe even more than that, but, but millions of people crossing the river. Uh, but they can't come within 300 yards of the ark. Could you imagine just watching that happen? There's a giant wall of water and there's millions of people just crossing the river. I don't know, I just that was the imagery I had in my mind of, of, of God holding back the waters as his people crossed in safety. Uh, of course, we have that with, with uh, right before the Battle of Jericho. We also have that with the Exodus. So uh, cool thought, just a random extra, I guess you could call it a sermon bonus. You're welcome. All right, all right. All right, and we're done. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Good grief. All right. Well, hey, uh, very quickly, if you are a guest with us this morning, uh, I do want to welcome you, whether you're here in-house or you're joining us online, I want to extend a special hand of welcome. I do want to encourage you to visit springvalleybaptist.com forward slash connect. Uh, That's how you let us know that you're here and also allows us to uh, minister to you uh, in the future. So make sure you go to that springvalleybaptist forward slash connect and uh, that will get you uh, connected with us and us connected with you, which is important. So my name is Brian Fillingham. I'm the Minister of Discipleship here at Spring Valley, and I have the pleasure of uh, joining you this morning in the pulpit. Uh, who, who, by a show of hands, because I know we're in the sanctuary, but I'm still uh, a teacher at heart. So by a show of hands, who knows what the one conversation is that we do as a church? Who's heard about that? One conversation, the discipleship process. So one conversation, if you don't know, is begins every Sunday morning. It begins in the worship service where uh, in, in, in worship we, we begin the conversation and then we continue the conversation into our life groups. And so that's part of our discipleship process here at Spring Valley. And so last week, Robert began a new series. Uh, I call it the commitment series. And we talked about last week, we talked about Christ's commitment to us. Christ's commitment to us. This week is kind of our response this is our response this week, our commitment to Christ. And so that's where we pick up. And, and it got me thinking about this idea of commitment and this, this thought of commitment. And so oftentimes, and maybe I can just speak for myself and my generation, um, so oftentimes commitment is either missing or it's completely misplaced, right? And so I was, I was thinking about my own personal life, and I began to think about when I've run into that, <clears throat> that place where uh, my commitment is is misplaced, and and um, and of course, my wife, who I'm sure is watching on on uh, on online, helped me remember when I had a commitment that was misplaced. So thank you, sweetheart. I love you so much. Um, get the couch ready for me, anyways. So, but uh, but I I absolutely love hunting. I love everything about it. I love scouting. I love. Uh, identifying where the animal stays. I love getting up early. I love sitting in anticipation and waiting to see if my, my scouting and uh, previously uh, paid off. 
Um, and I love coming out of the woods with nothing and just being able to sit in God's creation. I love every part of hunting. But if I'm not careful, my love of hunting and the commitment that I, that I give it can begin to overshadow other things in my life, right? And we've all done that. It may not be hunting for you. It's something else. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's whatever else. But our commitment level to that, whatever that is, begins to overshadow maybe our marriage, begins to overshadow our responsibility as a parent, begins to overshadow other, other obligations in our life. And so, um, so we, we've all experienced that idea of being committed, but maybe not being committed to the right thing. Shift gears to Paul, as you see, as you've seen in your emails, we're going to be in Philippians one. So if you have a Bible and I hope you do, you can flip to Philippians one. Um, but before we get to Paul or before we pick up on Paul, Paul was first Saul. And so we see Saul as a very committed, uh, a very committed follower of Christ. We see Saul as, not Christ, of, of Judaism. We see Saul as so extremely committed that he says that he's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. That means he, there were two different kinds, right? There was that you were Hebrew or you were, you were, a, you were Jewish by Hebrew or you were a Hellenistic Jew. And Hellenistic Jews spoke Greek. They read Greek. They didn't read the Hebrew. Uh, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. So he was like the true Jewish uh, born into one of the 12 tribes. He, uh, he was a Pharisee. He knew the law backwards and forwards. Uh, as far as the law was concerned, he was blameless. He was blameless. He went through all of the processes that you were supposed to go through, all the sacraments, all the sacrifices that he was supposed to go to. He was zealous for his religion. He was committed to Judaism. As you know, because you've read these stories, he was, he pursued those that were against Judaism, right? He pursued, they weren't called Christians at the time, but for the sake uh, of our conversation, uh, we'll call them Christians. He pursued Christians and persecuted Christians. And so we know the story. He's on his way to find more Christians in Damascus. He's going to the temple. He's gotten letters uh, from different people giving him permission to do this. And he's on his way to persecute Christians. And yet he finds himself on his face in the dirt in the middle of the road because he's encountered or Jesus Christ has encountered him. And it's amazing if you read back uh, through that account in Acts, he's on his hands and knees, he's on his face. He knows that he's encountering somebody holy, something holy, because he cries out, who are you, Lord? He cries out, who are you, Lord, from his face? And Jesus answers, I'm the one that you're persecuting. I'm Jesus Christ. Of course, we know the story goes on. Three days of, of blindness, Ananias, uh, which I love his little story. Uh, Ananias is called to um, remove uh, Saul's blindness and, and be his partner in those initial days. And uh, Ananias is not super thrilled about it because everybody knows who Paul is, right? Paul is a persecutor of the Christians, of the followers of Christ. And, uh, but Ananias does uh, trust the Lord and goes and uh, removes Paul's blindness. And from that point on, Paul's life radically changes. He's no longer committed to a religion. He's committed to a man, Jesus Christ. He's committed to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And you see, he does the same things. He goes to the synagogue, which he always did. He went to the temple and he begins to talk to his brothers and sisters, the Jewish people, he begins to talk to them and tell them who Jesus is. He shares with them the gospel. He shares with them his testimony. So we pick up today in Philippians, Philippians 1, and probably 
at least to me, one of the most significant parts of Philippians 1 is Philippians one twenty one. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's where we pick up today this idea, this concept that we have such a commitment to Christ that to live for him is Christ, but to die is to be with him, is gain. And so whether we're here, we live with Christ as our focus, with Christ as our cornerstone, or if we die, we gain everything and we get to actually be with him face to face. And so the title of the sermon is Life is Christ. And I want us to look at the commitment level that that requires. If life is truly Christ, what are some things that would help us along that journey? Philippians 1, starting in verse 3. We pick up with our first point. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. We see this throughout Paul's writings, but we see Paul is writing to a people. Paul is writing to a body. Paul is writing to the church. The interesting thing about Philippians is Paul's not writing to Philippians to address an issue like he is in Corinthians and several other books. He's writing to Philippians to express his love and his admiration and his appreciation for the church. So our first point this morning is commitment to Christ. If life is going to be Christ, it requires us to be involved in the body of Christ. It requires us to be involved in the community. See, there's so many times, and I'm, I'm experiencing it firsthand right now with our student ministry open, and, and there's nobody leading that student ministry. I'm attempting to step into that role, right? I'm attempting to step into that role, and I'm filling a role that I wasn't meant to fill. So many times in the body of Christ, we may be trying to fill the role that God's called us to fill. And then we're trying to fill someone else's role because one of our brothers and sisters is not stepping up to the plate and involving themselves in the community of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14 says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many parts. Did you know that there are 59 references to the phrase one to another in Scripture? Throughout Scripture, there are 59 references one to another, and it always talks about a brother and a si- or a sister in Christ loving or being kind to another brother or sister in Christ. The reality is that only happens in the fellowship of the body of Christ. That only happens in church. And so our first point this morning is that we are not intended, that Christ never intended for us to do this, this journey to follow him in isolation. And I know, especially in COVID times, it's difficult. It's a challenge. 
But I want to challenge you, whether you're here or you're online, I want to challenge you to make that a priority, to make gathering with the body, however that looks, whether it's through Zoom, whether it's online in the worship service, whether you feel safe coming, whatever that looks like, I want to challenge you to make that a priority. Because like I said earlier, what happens is if you're not stepping up and using the giftedness and the, and, and the talents and abilities that God has given you to serve the body and to be an integral part of the body, then someone else is trying to do their part and your part. And it's exhausting to the body. Another thing with the community that, that helps us along this way is that encouragement and that accountability. I mentioned earlier uh, a D group. Uh, Kelly and I, my wife and I, were, were discussing about, you know, we need a little bit more accountability. We need, to, we need a little bit more depth in our Bible study. And so uh, we reached out to five couples. Uh, Kelly went with the ladies and I went with the men. And, uh, and, and it's been amazing. To, to touch base on a regular basis and, and try to meet face to face a couple weeks, uh, every, every, every so often and sit down and say, Hey, what did, what did you read? What did you get out of that? What's going on in your life? And we journey together and we walk together and we encourage each other and we pray for each other. And I'll be honest, a lot of our guys in my group have been through the ringer this, this season. Who else has been through the ringer this season? It's an exhausting time. And we've been able to walk with one another and, and, and pray with one another and text each other back and forth and, uh, and, and carry each other's burdens, as Scripture says. And I'm telling you, it doesn't happen in any other context as well as it does in the life of the church. So our first point, if we want to commit to a life, a life that is Christ, we need our community. Our second point out of Philippians 1, 12 through 18 says now i want to know brothers that what is now i want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel as a result it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that i am in chains for christ because of my chains most of the brothers in the lord have been encouraged to speak the word of god more courageously and fearlessly It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is being preached, and because of that, I rejoice. Our second point, if we want to live a life that is Christ, our whole intention, our whole focus is Christ, we must have a purpose, and we must be united behind that purpose. You see this all throughout Paul's writings, is that Paul is focused on one Thing, and that is Christ in proclaiming his glory, his majesty, and his gift to humanity. That's what Paul's all about. So I want to challenge you, if you have heard and hear nothing else this morning, I want to, I want to encourage you to be about the purpose that Christ left us with. I always think about in my life, if the Bible were still being written 
and I passed away, would there be anything in my life worthy of going in the Bible? Would there be anything that I did worthy of telling stories about my life in the Bible that pointed directly to Christ? Anything. Because I've convinced so oftentimes we, we think we were saved by Christ and we were left here to enjoy a wonderful American perfect life where we've got three cars and two kids and five dogs. I don't know how many animals you got, but we live this perfect American life with zero suffering, zero purpose other than to make money. And there's nothing wrong with money, but if it is our purpose in life, we've missed the boat. I love how Paul talks about in verse 12 here, he says, all of this stuff, all of the stuff that Paul's been going through, and if you're familiar with what Paul ha- goes through in, in Scripture, he's, he's persecuted, he's threatened with his life, he's locked up on, on numerous occasions, he's prosecuted, he's, he's beaten. Paul suffers for the gospel, and in verse 12, he says, all this stuff is happening to advance the gospel, and my chains encourage other brothers and sisters in Christ to share the word of God with courage and fearlessness. That would be my prayer for us as a church, that we would share the word of God, that we would share the gospel with courage and fearlessness. So our first point, living a life that is Christ requires community. Our second point, it requires purpose. And our third point, living a life that is Christ requires perseverance. Philippians 1 18 through 26. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will, will, but will sufficient, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this... I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through, through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on my account. So Paul is struggling here. We've talked about what Paul has gone through in his life, what, he's, what he will continue to go through. This is only really his second missionary journey of three. What he, what he will continue to go through is this, this constant attack from those that he considered family, from, from the Jews, who he was. And they're coming after him, and they're locking him up, and they're threatening him with his life. And even when he's locked up, they threaten him with his life. And he ends up having to be moved by the government to keep him alive. And ultimately, we know that Paul does give his life. And here, we see an honest moment in Paul's life, where he says, and halfway through 21, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But then 
Verse 24, he says, But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. So Paul's in this place where he would much rather go to heaven and be with the Lord, and yet he knows that the body of Christ, the community, needs his presence, that he has a role to fill and a, and, a, and, a, and a job to do. And so he says, so I will remain. I'm convinced of this, so I will remain. He perseveres. And, and again, I'll share a personal kind of thing with me. I, got to, I was preparing the sermon, and I got to this point, I almost left it out because it was too personal, right? Because I, I was just talking with Kelly the other day, and in, amidst all of the craziness of life, right? Uh, amidst the quarantine and COVID and all this other craziness, We've been able to slow down. We've been able to slow down and enjoy our kids and enjoy a company with one another and our marriage. And, and I told Kelly, I said, man, we really have it nice. We, we live a good life. And, and I think that could be echoed throughout the room, right? We, have, we live it. We live a, a good life. Not one time in my entire life can I remember being persecuted because of the gospel, because of my faith, because of the, the proclamation of my faith. So then that leads me to the follow-up question in my life, why? Why have I never experienced that persecution? Why have I never experienced my, when I was in the business world, my job hanging in the balance because I proclaimed my faith? Why have I never experienced a the shunning of a friend because I, I proclaim my faith? Why have I never experienced family turning against me because I proclaim my faith to them? Sad reality is, and I can just be bare bones honest with you, is because I don't do it often enough. And, and I'm afraid that that may be also echoed through the whole room. That we don't feel that persecution, we don't feel those trials because we're not taking the stands that we need to. And we're committed, but maybe committed to the wrong things in life. So if life for us is Christ, we need to bind together as the body of Christ in community. We need one another for encouragement, for accountability, for motivation, for that one-to-another mentality. Number two, it requires us to align ourselves behind the purpose of Jesus Christ, and that is sharing his majesty, his glory, and his gift with humanity, the purpose. And number three, it requires perseverance. This morning, I don't know where you find yourself. Maybe you find yourself thinking, I've been walking with the Lord for a long, long time, and I'm getting tired. To be with Christ would be amazing. But the question for you, as I'm sure it was for Paul, is, is the Lord finished with you here? And I'm looking at all of you. You all look super healthy, super strong. My response to you would be, no, he's not done with you. I don't care if you're a student, if you're a senior adult, he's not done with you. You're still here. He's not done with you. So align yourself behind the purpose, connect yourself in the community, and persevere. 
But maybe you're sitting here this morning and you don't know, you don't, you weren't here last week and you haven't heard Christ's commitment to us. And I want to share very quickly because I think I would be remiss if I did not and I made this assumption. But if you're here and you don't know the, the commitment that Christ has made, let me explain it to you very quickly. There's a God in heaven that loves you desperately. And he loves you so much that he knew there was a barrier between his ultimate creation, which is us, and himself. And that barrier is sin. We can't get rid of it. It's part of us. We covered that last week. It's part of us. Either by choice or by nature, it's part of us. And so this loving God, this merciful God, this graceful God sent his only son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He paid the price that we could not pay. And if we will align ourselves with him and believe that he did that and believe that he is the son of God, the savior of the world, and we give our lives to him, he will save us. And he bridges that gap between us and creator God. And so that's the commitment that Christ has made to us is that he died for each one of us to have a relationship with God the father. And Paul's response to Christ was to say, all right, life is Christ. Everything I do is Christ. Christ glorified, Christ magnified, Christ proclaimed. So the challenge to you this morning, if you do know Christ, is what would be the single characteristic of your life? Would it be as it is for Paul, where life is Christ? I hope so. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I do thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. I thank you for the sacrifice of your son that allows me to call you father. Lord, I pray that in this time, Lord, that you would stir our hearts and that you would open our eyes and that you would call us to a decision, big or small. I pray that we would know that this altar is open that we can come and do business with you and meet you face to face through prayer. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.